ASEAN Conversations is brought to you by UOB. Welcome to The Breakfast Show. Now with ASEAN Conversations brought to you by UOB. Now, in the recent decades, ASEAN has made exceptional economic and social progress, yet development gaps within its human capital continue to persist. ASEAN has over 650 million in population, but development of human capital across this vast population remains heterogeneous. While some countries have made substantial progress, others experienced challenges. How can businesses across the region work towards maximizing their investments in human capital to maximize both productivity and efficiency of the workforce? Let's find out from Ian Wong. He is the Managing Director for Group International Management for UOB. Ian, thanks for joining us on the show today. Morning, Ryan. All right, let's kick things off with that overview of ASEAN. So across the region, we have countries in different stages of development. To be able to improve, we need to be able to measure. So walk us through where things are for the region right now. Where are the gaps? And when you look at the region's human capital landscape, what does it look like right now? Ryan, let me answer this question from the perspective of opportunities. I think a lot has been spoken about ASEAN collectively being the fourth largest economy by 2030. And with ADB forecasting the region to grow at least 5% between now to the end of the decade. Now, what are the key drivers for this growth? First of all, international companies are recalibrating and relocating parts of their supply chains to ASEAN. Partly deglobalization and more importantly, stronger interest to tap into the growing middle class in ASEAN. So that's number one. Now, number two, digital dividend. There are about 125,000, 130,000 new internet users coming on board every single day in ASEAN. And this unstoppable trend is expected to add over 1 trillion to the ASEAN GDP over the next decade. And our UOB survey of ASEAN companies shows that 30% of the companies indicating digitalization as a top priority for them in the next three years. And we believe more and more companies will jump into the bandwagon in order to thrive. Last but not least, sustainability. You know, ASEAN countries are probably some of the most vulnerable countries to climate change and global warming. The good news is that in our same survey, it shows that 88% of ASEAN companies, they tell us that they are stepping up efforts to invest and support the sustainability agenda. Now, I believe all ASEAN countries, to coach you, which may be in different stages of development, will need to enable their workforce to ride on the waves of these three growth pillars and drivers. Now, having said that, beyond these three key drivers, I think ASEAN countries should be more deliberate to train and channel their human capital to areas that play well to the country's inherent strengths. For example, Singapore Financial Logistics Hub, Malaysia and Indonesia leveraging on their natural resources, and really attract the relevant supply chains and factories to operate there. For example, Thailand, strong ecosystem for the automotive industry. There you go. Mm, some good examples and so some big numbers. So let's look at another big number. ASEAN has one of the world's youngest populations as 32% of the 660 million are below the age of 19. But with such a strong supply of young labour, you require a strong demand for such labour as well. So how adequately is the region able to match this need? I believe ASEAN has what it takes uh, to be able to create jobs to fulfil the aspirations of their populations. 
If we are relentless to enable a workforce with the capabilities to meet the demand of the three key drivers which I mentioned earlier, which is FDI, digitalization, and sustainability. Now, I also believe that governments and private enterprises operating in this region need to do our part to enable the creation of meaningful jobs. For example, according to ADB, right, 9 million jobs were lost in ASEAN during the pandemic. And that's a big number. And guess what? Some of these jobs will not return, even with full recovery from the pandemic. So at UOB, we are very deliberate in organizing ourselves to partner with various countries, government agencies, business associations, and other enabling online and offline partners to position ASEAN as an attractive region to invest in, engaging the most relevant stakeholders and business partners, bringing in sustainable investments and FDIs into this region, which not only enable job creation, but also business opportunities to the local SMEs in the countries as they contribute to the newly created supply chains. Now, that, in turn, will create more jobs for the SMEs who have benefited from the supply chain opportunities. Ian, let's take it down to the company level. So for companies, how can they be better empowered to provide sustainable jobs to the local community? It is an interesting question. My response is for companies to invest, empower, and enable their employees to achieve their best potential. Why? Because these employees can then empower themselves to contribute purposefully, sustainably, without fear or favour. They are more likely then to take ownership to future-proof themselves on the needed skills and are therefore in a much better position to contribute for the long term. Now imagine the self-rejuvenated workforce. They will be more likely to contribute positively to the company's growth, which in turn make their jobs more sustainable and that, in turn, help the companies to create even more sustainable jobs. Okay, so looking at the past few years, I believe the worst of the pandemic is over. So we are trying to normalise to some extent, but it has not quite been business as usual yet. Some things have changed. Priorities have evolved over the pandemic. How much more recognition, for example, are you observing when it comes to the importance of mental health for workers? Well, Ryan and the listeners to this interview, I would like to welcome you to the new BAU, Hmm. Business as Unusual. Now, there will be pandemics from time to time, geopolitical tensions and confrontations, economic wars. So I will encourage everyone to recognize this as the new BAU, internalize it, and not be too fast when curveballs come what may. Key to me is to have the mental pivot to take all these uncertainties in our own stride and focus on how we can find new pathways to emerge stronger rather than let these challenges derail us. Well, Ran, you may say, easier said than done. Mm. But guess what? I'm open to better suggestions. So let's start by having the right mindset. Mental wellness is indeed getting more recognition and more companies are coming up with their own interventions to help their employees. Do I feel more should be done to address them up front? My view is that we have to stay ahead of the curve. Now imagine, imagine organisations are deliberate in building a nurturing, mentoring and coaching environment where the employees have a safe and enabling space and environment to seek such positive interventions on a regular basis. When employees feel that they are hurt, when leaders do not just manage by KPI, but also through coaching and mentoring, show care, build trust, 
and enable employees to grow purposefully to their best potential, I believe that this is a much more sustainable way to improve mental well-being and enable our employees to contribute for the longest term. Yeah, those conversations and organic interactions sometimes are overlooked, so we need to strike that balance. So talking about balance, ASEAN has a booming youth population, but it won't stay young forever. The ASEAN region is rapidly aging. By 2050, the proportion of the ASEAN population aged 65 and above will at least increase twofold. So how can we future-proof our workforce? Right, indeed. I mean, uh, in about two decades, one out of three residents in Singapore will be above 65 years old. And today, the labour force participation rate for this uh, age cohort is already above 30% as well and will grow as people live longer and also because they want to be more financially stable and keep their mind active. So what should leaders and organisations do to optimise this longevity workforce? Well, let's reframe the desired business outcomes from this older workforce by leveraging on their wisdom and strengths instead of you know, focusing on their perceived lower productivity. These colleagues need to feel appreciated so that they can be rejuvenated and they can then take personal accountability to acquire new skills to deepen the craft to future-proof themselves. I also think that leaders will need to embrace, integrate and able to rally a multi-generation workforce. Well, no more labels like boomers and strawberry generations, extremely divisive. Let us all pivot to the organisation purpose to align and win in the marketplace. Now, I also believe in the concept of enabling a workforce to retire on the high. Let me explain, Ryan. Think about it. Most organisations invest to develop their employees at the front end of their careers. But how many of us do so in the last two decades, the tail end of their careers? Now, we need to rejuvenate our longevity workforce and unleash their untapped potential. Can we equip these older colleagues to be effective mentors and coaches to the younger colleagues so as not to let the wisdom and practical know-how accumulated over the decades go to waste? How about enabling them with fit-for-purpose medical insurance coverage, which are also portable so that they have the option to continue paying for the coverage post-full-time retirement and enjoy the same coverage? Peace of mind. And as leaders, should we be partnering our older colleagues to understand the career legacy that they want to build, whether it's a, a business head of a department or even just a reliable individual contributor or a helpful team player? And we leaders partner with them to leave their mark with the organisation with the respect and dignity they rightfully deserve. Last but not least, help them to reimagine what success can be like post full-time retirement so that they can embrace succession planning with a positive mindset and be ready to contribute for the greater good and their loved ones in the next phase of life. And also, by the way, some of our colleagues who have retired from full-time job, they come back as gig workforce, which UOB offers, right, uh, so that they can still stay engaged and contribute post-retirement. Win-win. Now, all these will need to be orchestrated early as preparation takes time and space. I always share with my colleagues that retirement is not a switch we need to be deliberate and the journey of preparation takes years and can only be meaningful when older colleagues trust the leaders and the process involved. So, hooray to our longevity workforce. Yeah, talking about journey, we are on this journey of a fourth industrial revolution. It's driven demand for digital transformation, professional services. But despite the importance of technology, not every ASEAN member state can tap on technology to develop their human capital due to various reasons. 
sometimes political conditions as well. What are some of the ways for the region to address this challenge? Right, my simple answer is to enable easier and reliable access to technology, especially for learning purposes. And this can come from the government support uh, to enable digital transformation. For example, I think Singapore government has allocated, I believe, 500 million to support the digital transformation of businesses. Malaysia, same thing. They have allocated a big sum, I think it's uh, ringgit, 700 million, to do the same for the SMEs. Now, on the private side, I think companies will also have to play their part in helping in this digital transformation. I don't know whether you heard of Go Digital ASEAN. It's an initiative by... Uh, Asia Foundation, they have reached out to over half a million of individuals and small and medium enterprises to provide fit-for-purpose training to improve financial literacy, digital marketing, cybersecurity, you know, things like that. Now, at UOB, we also have launched programs in the region to guide businesses to develop and pilot digital solutions to not just increase their workflow, processes, drive sales, customer loyalty, brand awareness, and as well as other productivity projects. Another example is that UOB Venture Management have also invested in learning platforms like Ranguru that provides value for money, consistent and good quality online learning, including consultation with teachers and tutors online for millions of students across Indonesia. And guess what? Ranguru is expanding to other ASEAN countries as well. So digital transformation will be an ongoing journey for countries and companies, and that require investments and partnerships by the public and the private sectors. And we must. And that's how the world is, right? We need to accept the new BAU, internalize it, pivot from it, and we will emerge stronger. All right, great overview of how to drive innovation and sustainability through human capital. We've been chatting with Ian Wong. He is the Managing Director for Group International Management at UOB. Ian, thanks for joining us on the show today. My pleasure, Ryan. ASEAN Conversations is brought to you by UOB. UOB, one bank for ASEAN.